Hey guys, and welcome back to The Poor, the podcast about relationships, mental health, and learning how to be a damn adult. It's your girl, Kiara, and I'm riding solo dolo for episode eight this week. I'm very excited to have you back here with me and a very special guest that I have on the show for you guys. She's one of my old teammates from college and a lifelong friend, joining me for an important conversation surrounding sports and mental health. Welcome, Kiki Baldessari. Whoop, whoop. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm obsessed with this podcast, so I'm very happy. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. And I know Kay and Jari are bummed to miss this episode, but we definitely want to have you back to join the whole team, the whole group, and catch up with all of us. So just to let you guys know a little bit about Kiki, she played and coached Division I softball at Providence College in Rhode Island. After graduating with a Master's of Counseling, she returned to New Jersey to become a mental health professional. Kiki now works in a private practice with a full caseload of clients during the day. At night, Kiki owns a softball facility with her family that she manages called the Pitching Factory. There, she works with many athletes every week on the physical and mental side to the sport of softball. So we're very excited to get into more of this and just pick your brain about, you know, sports and mental health today. Um, but before we get going, how are you feeling? What's going on in your life? Anything new? Um, feeling good. New Jersey. I'm in New Jersey right now. We just had a massive hurricane like on Tuesday. So we lost power for a few days. So I'm looking a little rough and unshowered, but you know, <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm excited. <laughs> Did that affect work? Like having no power? Um, yeah, I was kind of just like scrambling around to like find internet because there's like a cell tower down. So I was like, oh my God, I have like nothing. Like I never realized like how much I rely on like Wi-Fi and like yeah. city. <laughs> oh my God. Did you have to cancel any of your like um, lessons at the pitching factory or anything because oh, of that? Yeah. Our facility lost power for a night. So we canceled all that. Obviously you can't hit in the dark. That would just be pure danger. <laughs> I think you'd have like 19 concussions if you tried doing that everyone would get hit in the face with the ball that'd be horrible Horrible. (laughs) a little bit against the law but well glad that everything in new jersey is going well and we also know that new jersey was one of the hot spots of covid which now it's getting a little better we're actually i think it's like new jersey mass and new york and like connecticut are like the top four states right now yes yes so we're doing well we're doing well i was actually just at kiki's house fourth of july weekend she lives on a lake guys it's so beautiful I love her cute little lake house and I go there every year for a little reunion and for Kiki's birthday. We went a little early this year mm-hmm. um, with our close friend, Danny, shout out to Danny and Oh, happy belated, by the way, your birthday was like three days ago. <laughs> They're not fun anymore, but thank you. <laughs> why, why? Did you do anything fun for it? I don't know. Like I was having fun. I was like there for it. And I turned 26. So I was like there for my birthday. And then I got one text from my uncle and it was like, Okay, so now like you're like over being a quarter century old, like you're a year older than that, and I, that just like hit me wrong. So I was like, I hate my birthday now. <laughs> just just make me it. feel even more like shit about aging. I was just like, all right, cool, but I don't know when it turns to that point where like every year you get older, you just start winning. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm losing, and then I feel like every year when you get older, older, you're like, I'm winning, I'm making it, you know? Yeah. And I think it just has to do with like the accomplishments in life. Yeah. I feel like right now we're like stuck in like an age where it's like we've made like a lot of strides but we're still like kind of trying to figure it out slash move out slash be financially emotionally and physically stable and it's just like a lot going on right now but literally adulting is hard. 
the struggle is real. Well, like I said, I'm very excited to have you here with us, Kiki. As you know, you said you're a super fan of the show, so we're going to test you out right now. So as a fan of the show, what do we usually start with? We always start with the pregame. Ah, you know I love pregames. <laughs> <laughs> so our pregame for today, Kiki, what are some things that you did to maintain a positive mental state while being a Division One athlete? Is there anything that you did before or after a game or even on your days off to maintain that? It's a good question. And I don't know, like, I feel like that I really struggled a lot um, mentally to be a student athlete um, for, for the beginning parts of college. And I think that um, I wasn't really, I was positive outright. I think a lot of teammates would describe me as a positive person outright, but inside mm -hmm. I was not a really positive person for myself. And I learned like kind of slowly through college that positivity is a skill, just like any softball skill would be. So throwing a pitch or um, hitting a certain pitch is a skill. Positivity mm -hmm. is a skill as well. And I learned that through journaling. So I was a really big journaler in college, journaler, is that a word? Um, <laughs> Journaler in college, a writer, that would make more sense. Um, I wrote in college a lot and, you know, I practiced gratitude in, in the journal and I practiced the things that were going right in my life and positivity through that. And that was a really good way for me to express myself and to practice that skill. So then I started feeling it in my head. So that was, that was something that I really um, would strive for every single day to journal and I still do it now and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I was at your house, I think last summer, I remember, and you showed me like five of your old journals. And I know that you said that you, well, I, you like throw your journals away sometimes, right? When you finish it. Sometimes, but the last five years I have not thrown any away. I just have them in a closet, like tucked away. Like, so no, yeah. them. <laughs> no, I love that. And like me personally, and this is something that, you know, we'll definitely have future episodes on just more mental health and therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit big advocate for therapy and my therapist has been trying to get me to journal and it's definitely very therapeutic. I'm lazy. I'm more of a typer, but you know, I'm trying my hardest. <laughs> I feel like it's something that, you know, like I said, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but you know, me and Kiki were teammates at Providence college. We were on the softball team together and I feel like our coach slash our mental health counselor, I don't know mm -hmm. if we can say his name, but he um, also tried to get us to journal, but it just kind of felt forced when they would try to do it or try to have us do it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if it's just you kind of sitting down and, and brain dumping your thoughts and how you're feeling, I feel like it's more genuine and you're able to kind of process your emotions better than if you have like a certain prompt that you're being like forced to do and then read out loud to like the team the next day. You know what I mean? That was one of my biggest pet peeves that they would kind of try to do to us because it really didn't, I mean, for me, you can speak on yourself. For me, I got no progress out of that and I kind of hated it <laughs> that way. Yeah, it's almost like when you're told to do something, you just like are like, okay, yeah, sure. And then you just like never do it. But like I found journaling on my own. And I think that that's why I've been so successful with it. And habits are formed within 21 days. So if you can complete 21 days of something, then you're more likely to continue that throughout the rest of your life. And I think I really pushed myself and forced myself to write for 21 days. So I knew that like random fact on Pinterest that I probably found. <laughs> but I think that for a lot, it's funny that you said that prompts are harder for you where I think that now with my with my practice and my clients that prompts are actually easier because mm -hmm. it gives them some sort of guidance on writing where it's not just like this big abstract thing of like write whatever you're thinking right yeah so I don't know it's it I guess depends on the person on whether prompts are you know open yeah. dialogue 
Yeah, for sure. I think it depends on the person and, and the situation. And like I said, for a lot of the prompts in, in college, those are things that like we had to share. And I guess I'm not the most comfortable with like sharing my inner thoughts like that. Yeah. Um, but kind of going back to the actual pregame question, things that I would do to try to maintain a positive mental state. I mean, me and you have talked about this, Kiki. Yeah. I wasn't the biggest fan of softball. You know, I, I tried to enjoy it as much as I could. But, you know, I'm someone who went from playing in Malden, Everett, Somerville, like all of these like greater Boston teams with like zero competition to then playing Louisville, Notre Dame, UCLA, like all of these big top teams that, you know, me and you played in college. And I think because I personally just didn't have like the best experience with high level training like that, it made it less enjoyable for me. So I really struggled with trying to maintain a positive mental state while being a division one athlete. I think some things that I try to do at the time um we had what's called muggle mondays when we had no games no practices on mondays and we called the non-athletes muggles from like harry potter so we called them muggle mondays because we got to like dress up and feel normal so i would really like embrace those and try to like let myself know that like my life isn't always going to be all about softball like focus on school focus on your mental health what pleasures you get out of life other than softball I feel like I really took those days and ran with them and try to use that as like a reset for like the rest of the week to try to motivate myself to get through the rest of the week so I kind of wish that I had like a better routine more than just one day of week and kind of did something before and after practices or games but you know everyone does what works for them and for me at the time that's what worked for me so it's so funny because like I was I was your roommate for so long. I never knew that that day had so much meaning to you in terms of like your mental health. So it's like really even cool to like talk about it with you now and to be like, oh, that's why Kiara dressed up every day and why <laughs> like 99% of the time. Like that's like yeah. really putting an effort on Monday to like dress up. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, and I also like didn't open up to you guys a lot about it. I felt like we were definitely close. Like you said, we were roommates for the longest time, but I guess I didn't want to like burden you guys or feel, make you guys feel like, not that I didn't belong there, but like, I didn't want to be there. And maybe someone was more deserving of being there than me. You know what I mean? I feel like there was just like a lot that kind of went along with my emotion of kind of softball and my, I guess you could say resentment towards the sport. So we're going to get through a lot of secrets this episode, Kiki, that you didn't know about me in college. So Buckle up. <laughs> well, that was a good pregame. I'm really glad that, like I said, you're on this episode with us and we're about to have a really good conversation. So let's get right into our pour. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, you're a mental health counselor, specifically you're a psychotherapist. So can you kind of go over what that role entails, how long you've been doing this and what you see yourself doing for the future? Yeah, um, so I have been a mental health counselor for almost a year now. Um, November is my one year anniversary. <laughs> Drink to that. Um, but I see about 35 clients a week. I have 35 clients in my caseload. Um, my weeks consist of meeting with them at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, depending on their needs or every other week. Um, and I basically just sit there and talk with them about, you know, the most vulnerable things happening in their life. And it's been really weird with uh, coronavirus because I've been meeting some of these clients via computer screen. So I think that that has been really unique experience for me because normally, you know, meeting somebody in person and seeing somebody face to face, it's hard enough to talk about the things that bother us the most, but then mm -hmm. meet somebody through a screen and be vulnerable in that way is very 
very challenging for some of my clients. Um, and then I'm always on call for crisis situations. My my job really never ends. If I'm hanging out with my friends, like Kiara was over the other weekend, and I don't even think you know this, Kiara, but I took a really important call for one of my clients that one of those times when I like stepped away for a minute, like my phone is kind of attached to my hip, which can be a little stressful, but really important with the, with the job. Yeah. No, that, that sounds super important. And I can definitely relate to, you know, having to kind of adjust behind a computer screen because I, I was seeing my therapist for a good nine months mm -hmm. up until we had to kind of go virtual and it was definitely a big adjustment, but um, I don't know, for me, I haven't run into any like difficulties or issues. I'm still kind of getting a lot of, out of my sessions, but on your side, do you think that it's a challenge being virtual now, or do you think it's maybe like a plus side to, to COVID being virtual with your patients? I think overall it's definitely a positive because I think that it's made counseling a lot more accessible to people. Um, especially if you're working and you're on a lunch break and you can just like pop on the computer and see somebody and talk yeah. about your problems, I think. And even so, like if we go back to like quote unquote real life and you have a lunch break, you can step out into the break room and just throw on some headphones and have your session in a private room. You don't have to take the 30 minutes to drive 30 minute or 45 minute session, 30 minutes back. Like that's something that you would have to do and make time for. But this, it makes it a little easier to fit into your schedule. I find that the hardest is kiddos when you have kids on the screen because they're running around and like, you don't know where they went. You don't like, you could be sitting there in a room by yourself and the kids are like going and playing in a different rooms. So I think that's a little hard, but yeah, well, I think it's positive. Yeah. That's good. And do you guys do like exercises with the kids? And and if you do, is it harder virtually? Because I would imagine, like, for example, I know that my therapist, um, not for me, but like on the side, she's also like an art therapist. So that's more like hands on. I don't, I don't know too much about art therapy, but it just sounds kind of self-explanatory. So like more hands on tools and stuff like that, just like expressing yourself through art. And I feel like that would be a little tricky virtually. So I don't know. Do you give them any assignments or lessons to do? Yeah, I actually, one of my specializations is in a form of art therapy. So I do do art therapy with my kiddos a lot. Um, probably every session we're doing some sort of drawing or writing exercise. Um, it just gets them more engaged. And actually when they're writing and drawing, they tend to just talk and be like an open book. So it's sort of like a therapist trick, I think, when like, even if I have a client who is older, who is a little like, brain blocked, then I'll just say, oh, go get a paper and start scribbling. And then all of a sudden they become like this like open book. <laughs> I think it's like kind of funny how like you're doodling and like just like spill everything that you were bothering you. Yeah, no, that's a good trick. You know, when you're like on the phone sometimes and then you're like just doing something random, like one minute you're sweeping, the next you're like making an omelet, the next you're like on a plane to Japan. It's like, you'll do something. <laughs> <laughs> Japan, I know. You do something like super random on the phone, but it's just like you're like engaged in the conversation because you're like occupied. So you just like keep going and going. You know what I mean? So I can see how it like relates to to your position. 100%. Oh my God, that's so funny. Um, so do you work with a lot of athletes like through your role? I mean, obviously in the pitching factory, but like for like both your mental health job and pitching factory. Yeah, I actually have a few athletes on my caseload that come to me for sports performance anxiety. Um not too much now because coronavirus is sort of like halted sports at the moment. But um, yeah, I usually have a lot of athletes on my caseload because I do, I was an athlete. So that's obviously on my profile. So I'm like really liked for that. Um, I can, I guess I can relate in a way. So they kind of prefer me in that way, but yeah, yeah it's been, 
that's that's fun. I think that it's hard to it that actually that athlete is difficult for me to work with because I never had sports performance anxiety. I've never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of anxiety in my life in the day to day, but never in sports. So I think that it's really hard for me to connect to them in that way. So that case is actually difficult for me to work with, which is kind of strange because I'm a sports person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. And even if you don't really have a specialty in that specific area, I think it's good just to kind of for them to have someone that can relate to any experience that they have, because even if it's not exact, you know, you are still in the same field, the same sport. So you're able to relate in some way and can help her, you know, talk through certain things that she's been through or that she just wants to talk out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's interesting that you say that you didn't have, you know, sports anxiety. Cause I was going to ask one of my questions was, did sports have an impact on you wanting to become a mental health counselor? And I would have guessed yes, but my guess is maybe no, no. Like, what do you think? I think that, College overall has really pushed me into the field of mental health counseling because I feel like high school is a bubble. I feel like you grow up in the bubble and then you just kind of get to high school and you're still in this bubble and then you go to college and all of a sudden the bubble just like pops. And I feel Mm -hmm. like college just exposes you to so many different people from so many different walks of life. And I think that you know, that really opened my eyes, you know, learning about my teammates, learning about the people at my school and where they've been, the struggles that they've been through. I was really in tune with those people. And I think that I became that person on the team that it wasn't just the, I'm struggling with homework, can you come help me? It was the, this shit is going on in my life and I need somebody to talk to. So I felt Mm -hmm. like I was that deeper outlet for a lot of my teammates. So I think that that really, really pushed me into the field of mental health counseling. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. No, I can, I can definitely agree to that. And I, I know exactly what you mean by the bubble, because like I said before, like I was just in this world where everything was fine and dandy and, you know, I would be dominating softball here, but then you know, college was just like a complete culture shock for me, softball and otherwise, you know, I experienced emotions in my mental health that I never thought were possible to experience. You know, I've experienced the anxiety. I, I mean, I don't know if I was depressed, but like, you know, when you have just like moments where you're just like down and you can't really identify what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of those moments because of softball and because of just like overall school stress and social anxiety. And I've never really been around, you know, different crowds of people like that. Um, I mean, especially for me going into Providence College, you know, it's a predominantly white school and I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me outside of athletics in college. So it was definitely a big culture shock for me. And I felt like my only real identity was within softball, not because of the sport itself, but because you guys were the closest people to me and I didn't really feel like I had opportunities to branch out more. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't feel, you know, like that diverse of a school for me. And I feel like yeah, it's gotten better, but you know, it's still something that like a lot of not even just PC, but a lot of other institutions struggle with, you know what I mean? So, and I just think because of like all of that and all those different emotions that I've had to feel, that's when I actually kind of started to try to identify, you know, try to not, I don't want to say identify. That's when I try to kind of be more cognizant of like mental health and issues surrounding it. Because like I said, I didn't really feel a lot of those emotions or know what like anxiety was before college. So um, I definitely, and I I even thought myself about, I think I had a social work 
minor at one point and i think one of the classes i just like didn't feel like finishing it was way too hard and i was just like i'm not gonna do it it's hard like i, I commend you for being a counselor because those classes can be hard you know what i mean yeah um and i thought myself about like doing a social work minor and then coming back for the um counselor ga program i think i told you that i had to take like a year off and then i was going to become a ga um but then i kind of leaned more towards the healthcare, but you know, for me personally, mental health is something that I'm so passionate about because of my college experience. And I, I think it's great that we have people like you in the field that, you know, are talking through, you know, different situations and scenarios with these, you know, younger, not even athletes, but just younger generations. You know what I mean? Because I wish I had more of a, an outlet when I was a college kid. And I think that's great that you are doing that for them now. Yeah. Thank you for that. I feel like that there is a lot of work to be done in a lot of institutions right now in terms of mental health. I think that there, there should be a better outlet for athletes specifically at, at college because, you know, right now it's like so like student body focused. And you're right. Like I've tried those counselors on college campuses. I love going to counseling. Like I literally <laughs> assert this is like everybody needs therapy, but Mm -hmm. you know, I those counselors and it was almost like they didn't understand what it was like to be an athlete. Like when I said, I can't miss practice because I am having a mental health problem. Like I can't do that. Like I will get literally kicked off the team. Like I will get shunned. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the understanding was just off. And I think that athletes need a, a more athlete specific counselor and, and that is accessible for them. No, absolutely. And I mean, we had, like I said, we had our counselor, but it was one and it wasn't the most successful. I think it was like one day a week and sometimes it didn't work with your class schedule. And I think that just like in general, being an athlete is tough because when you're an athlete, people view it as like sports one, academic second and sports being a college athlete, that's only four years of your life. You, I mean, God willing, will live 60 more years after you're a college athlete. So it's like, you need to actually like focus on academics as well. And I remember there were certain majors that we couldn't do in school because it would interfere with our practice schedule or our lift or conditioning schedule. And while I definitely understand that, like we need to make those things a priority, I don't think it should be at the expense of you know, a career in a certain field, you know what I mean? So I think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done, you know, surrounding college athletics and the general dynamic and culture, culture behind it, just in my opinion, from what I've experienced at PC. Yeah, 100% agree with you, 100%. So kind of while we're on the topic of, you know, young athletes and mental health, what advice do you give to young athletes who may struggle with mental health due to the pressures of sports? Cause, I mean, this is a really good question. I think that a lot of athletes right now, like you said before, way in the beginning of this episode, like I was feeling these mental health it, like struggles and I was just kind of like putting it down. I didn't want to share it with people because I felt like I was a burden to my teammates because I knew that they didn't feel the same way. And mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're not accepting on how you're feeling. So I think number one is accepting. I'm feeling shitty, right? Can I curse on here? Yes, of course. I'm feeling freaking shitty and I'm going to acknowledge it one. I think accepting and acknowledging it is number one because a lot of athletes in particular will not accept this. They will push it down. We're strong. We're supposed to be mentally tough, right, on the field, in, in games and stuff. And being honest with yourself, I'm not okay. How do I get to be okay? And again, asking for help, trying things. If you're in therapy, if your psychologist is giving you some, you know, tips on journaling or something, trying it. 
you never know if it's not going to work unless you try it and fully wholeheartedly try it. Because I work with a lot of clients who will say, my life is like really anxious all the time. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. I'm giving them tools to fix it and they're not trying it. And then they'll come back the next week and say, it's still the same. And I'm like, well, did we try it? No, I don't, I didn't think it was going to work. Okay. So number one, looking at yourself, you're not accepting that you need help because you're not trying new things from the person that's trying to help you. So I think that trying new things and being open is key. And I find that not everything's going to work, but you know, trying it so that we can eliminate it and scratch it off the table is a hundred percent, like literally what therapy is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I definitely agree with everything you just said. And I know even for me, oh my gosh, do you remember how hard on myself I was? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like it was bad, Kiki. Like I, know. I would just like beat myself up. Like, and I was like this my whole life, but like I said, I think it just got worse in college because of reasons I've already explained, but mm -hmm. I, like I said earlier, I go to therapy and one of the biggest things that my therapist, like one of the biggest pieces of advice that my therapist gives me is to first like validate that you're feeling a certain way, identify what you're feeling and let you let yourself know that it's okay that you're feeling this certain way. Just know what you have to do or try to identify what you need to do to make strides towards fixing it or changing your attitude. But if you're not going to be kind to yourself and just like try to put yourself at ease and try to ease your own anxieties, you're going to have a harder time trying to work towards whatever you're trying to work towards. So for me, and she told me that without even knowing like how hard on myself that I am yeah. with softball and with work, with life, with everything, you know what I mean? So that's like one big piece of advice that she gave me that I'm really trying to, to stick with, with every experience that I have in life is, you know, one validate two accept it and three work towards moving towards like a common goal or something to get over whatever situation you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, I feel like that could really work for anyone in, you know, any situation, you know? Yeah. I think that the important thing to remember is that anxiety is like the, like one in five people have anxiety. And mm -hmm. I think the important thing here is that anxiety never lives in the present moment. It always lives either in the future or in the past, you know, like, Oh my God, this happened yesterday. I'm still stressed about it. Or, this is going to happen in the future or might happen in the future. I'm stressed about it. And it never is happening in the here and now. So how do we pull ourselves back to the present moments that we do not feel that anxiety because it does not exist in the present moment. If we live in the here and now, it won't be here. So that's what I'm trying to constantly do too with my clients is trying to get them to live in the, in the here and now. No, that's like a good mindset to have and, and way to think about it. I've never thought about it like that. Like, like you said, it's either in the past or thinking of something that happened or something that's coming up. Like if you have like a big series against Georgetown coming up that you're super nervous mm -hmm. about, or if you had a bad outing last week against URI, like these are things that you're constantly like thinking about. And it's like, no, what am I doing in the moment to get me through those, those future, you know, times to like get better and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's a great piece of advice, especially to give young athletes. And I kind of wish that was something that I embedded in my mindset, you know, as a young 22 or wait, how old was I? I went to college. <laughs> 21, 18, 21 ish, ish. 18, 21 as a young 18 year old. <laughs> like I wish that I had like this advice and you know what I mean? This mindset. And I feel like if I did, that would have made it a little easier or I would have been a little kinder to myself, like I said, in a lot of situations. So I think that's great advice to, to kind of give in a good perspective to have as a young athlete. So 
This was a great conversation, Kiki. Do you have any final words or, you know, we like to end our episodes with a moral of the story. I don't know if it really applies, but if you would like to share a moral of the story, you definitely can. I think, I think the moral of the story here is everyone at some point in their lives deals with something, you know, mental health related, whether it's a family member themselves or someone close to them or not close to them or anything. And I think that, I think that one Getting help for that person that's going through something a little tough or getting help for yourself is key, whether that's a professional or a friend or just reaching out to somebody is huge because I think a lot of people feel like what you said before, again, I keep going back on it because it's so important. You know, people think that they're burdening, burdening other people. And in reality, you know, the human race, we want to, the only thing that we want in life is to feel connected to others. And if we can do that, by sharing vulnerability with each other, then I think that that's the most important piece and there's no burden there. There's just, it's just being a human being. Yeah, absolutely. And I think vulnerability really does scare a lot of people, but you know, once you can kind of identify someone, a teammate, a friend, a counselor that you definitely feel like you're okay with being vulnerable with and can kind of just, you know, brain dump or pour out whatever feelings you're you're having, take the opportunity to do that because you can't just hold everything inside and expect things to be dandy the next day. It's okay to need to talk to someone. It's okay to need help. If you're an athlete, if you're just a regular muggle, no matter what situation you're in, like it's okay to talk to someone. You know what I mean? And I feel like just the more that we find comfort and vulnerability, the better off that, you know, we'll be in the future. So Love it. Well, Kiki, thank you so much for joining me. We usually like to wrap our episodes with a bad pickup line of the day. And I know you have something funny as hell to share. So <laughs> if you will take it away. I do have something funny. I lived in Miami for a few months and I was at a bar once and it was actually like a club. It was like pretty popping. And I was sitting at the bar, I was getting another drink and somebody like slid a card across the table to me. And I was like, Fuck yeah, I'm getting a drink paid for me. I'm getting a credit card. It's so exciting. But I looked down to like pay for my drink and there was like a library card. And I just go, what the fuck am I supposed to do with the library card? I'm just so confused. And he just said, oh, I was just trying to check you out. And I was <laughs> I would have been way happier with the drink. But <laughs> I was like, so I did not know what to say, but I did. I did say, I was like, that was really bold and that was really awesome of you. Right. Yeah. You have to admit, that's kind I wouldn't have ever thought about that. No, I was literally like, so, and then I was like, you know, I do like readings. So like, do I just like feel the card? Like, I was like, do I get like more out of this? <laughs> but it was like funny. Yeah, I was like, I props. I was like, that was, that was pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I feel like that man was low key your soulmate. You should hop back on a flight to Miami, the hot spot of COVID, and let us know if you find him. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just be like, whose library card is this? <laughs> Can you find this library card? <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Well, guys, that's going to be a wrap for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And please remember to follow us on our social media. Our podcast page on Instagram and Twitter can be found at, at the poor pod. You can find me on my personal Instagram at Kiara Amos, K-I-A-R-A-A-M-O-S, and Twitter at Kiara D-H-A. So um, you can find me um, on my softball Instagram at kikibaldasari.softball, K-I-K-I-B-A-L-D-A-S-S-A-R-I.softball. <laughs> well thank you again for joining us again we're going to want to have you on the show in the future so keep your phone on because i'll be giving you a call <laughs> well thank you guys and we will see you next time